Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. And so I'm excited to kick off our new series, our new Sunday series today. We wanted to not wait till next week, not wait till next year, not wait till January. We're going to do it today. And so here's what I'd like to do. Typically in this moment, we stand for the reading of the word, but I'd like to stand. I'm just going to pray. And I'm just going to do a prayer as we go into the message here today. And I just would like us to just put our hearts in a posture to receive here. And to let God speak to us. And my prayer is that you will end the year strong so you can finish the year strong. That's my prayer for you. And then as we go into a season of prayer, my prayer for all of us is that our prayer life would go deeper than ever before. All right, so let's pray. Jesus, we're just so thankful that we could gather here today. It's just fun to see friends and and family and just even new faces and have guests here, Lord. What a uh, amazing privilege and an opportunity to gather here Christmas weekend, December 26th, and again say thank you, God, for coming to earth and becoming one of us, showing us who you are and what you're like, Lord, and thank you so much for paying the price for our sin on the cross. Jesus, we are in awe of who you are. We are so thankful for who you are and for what you've done And I just pray, God, that you would anoint this word today. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to every single one of us, those here in the room, those that are online as well. Speak to us, I pray. Holy Spirit, that we would receive from you today. And Lord, I pray that more than anything, you would just draw us closer to you. And Lord, that you would stir in us, Lord, even awaken in us just a deeper desire to seek you, to pray, to, to deepen our prayer life, Lord, to spend time with you in, in your presence. Lord, I pray that, that this would be a season where we reprioritize our hearts, our schedule, our life around you, Jesus. Lord, that it wouldn't be just about prayer times, Lord, it would be about spending times with you and seeking you, Lord, I pray. Oh, God, I pray that you'd stir that within us, a hunger for you, a hunger to seek you, a hunger to just to pray and spend time with you and to hear from you, Lord, I pray. Would you do that in our life, Lord, in this season, in this coming season? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? So we're starting a new series called Extraordinary Prayer, and here's what I want to talk about today. Prayer is the difference between believing in miracles and seeing miracles. Prayer is the difference between believing in miracles and seeing miracles. We're going to have some fun talking about this today because we're going to have a little tag team sermon. We're going to have Pastor Matt and we're going to have Shay come up here. And so you're going to hear from them as well as we tag team. And so I'm just going to open it and then I'll come back and I'll I'll close it. And we'll close with a time we're all going to have communion together uh, today. So this is going to be a lot, a lot of fun and, and really different. If you have your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 53. 
Isaiah 53, and I'm going to jump to verse 4 here, Louis. I'm going to jump, jump ahead to verse 4 and look at verses 4 and 5, Isaiah 53. I love these words, this prophecy from Isaiah written about 700 years before Jesus the Messiah came. Verse 4 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now, the word transgressions is, is a big word for rebellion. Jesus was pierced in his side because of our rebellion against him. He was crushed because of our iniquities. That's a big word for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. I love that word peace. Peace is a word we like to look at around Christmas time, as Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. It's that word shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before, shalom. Shalom is, is a word of greeting that even Jewish people will still use today. And even actually a lot of Christians will say that. We'll say shalom. And it's more than just speaking a nice greeting and saying, peace be with you. May you feel peace. That word shalom is very deep and profound in its meaning. Shalom actually means this. It means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, and health. It means all of those things. Shalom encompasses your entire being. May you experience the shalom of God physically, emotionally, spiritually, even mentally. It's your entire being is encompassed with the shalom of God. I love that. And so Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. He took it on himself. And because of that punishment, you and I can have the shalom, peace, of God. Then it says, by his wounds, we are healed. Aren't you thankful that healing comes through the cross? Healing comes through the atonement. But here's the deal. We won't see that healing unless we ask for it. Prayer is the difference between believing in the miraculous and seeing the miraculous. And healing and miracles come through the atonement. And the atonement was what Jesus did for us on the cross. He reconciled us back to God. That's what atonement means. It means a reconciliation between two parties that were at odds with each other. And through the cross, Jesus did an atonement. He, he didn't just atone for our sins, meaning he like paid the penalty for wrongdoings that somebody else did. He didn't just do that. He did a reconciliation between us and God. That's what Atonement truly means. It's reconciliation. It comes from this old English word that means making at one. That's what atonement means. And so you can literally look at atonement and it means at one meant. At one meant. If you want to know what atonement means, that's what it is. It's, it's making at one. At one meant. So there's this reconciliation that took place between you and I. Not between you and I. Between you and God between you and me and God uh, through the atonement. And so there's reconciliation. And that's what atonement means. And there's healing in that atonement. And it doesn't just affect our spiritual life. Healing affects our whole being. 
It's like that shalom. It, it, it speaks of our whole being. It speaks of wholeness. Healing comes to us through the atonement spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And we understand that something spiritually takes place, and it's very significant. Like before we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, we were dead spiritually. And we put our faith and our trust in him, believe in what he did for us on the cross, commit to following him. Then what happens is we come alive spiritually. This is why Jesus called it being born again. So we're not born again physically, like we were born out of our mother's womb first physically, but then we're born spiritually. So Jesus says it's born again. It's a spiritual rebirth where we were dead. Now we're come to, to life. Now we're alive with Jesus now, today, and forevermore. That's an amazing thing that takes place. We are alive. So there's this healing, in a sense, uh, a salvation that comes to us spiritually, but it doesn't just affect us spiritually. It affects our whole being. Emotionally and mentally, you and I can be healed. Physically, you and I can be healed. Isaiah prophesied this. By his wounds, we are healed. And so it's important that you and I stand on the word of God as we pray. It's important that you and I declare the word of God because we're not declaring our opinion. We're declaring God's word. We're declaring truth. And we can say by his wounds, I am healed. And so Matthew wanted to make sure that we understood that what Isaiah prophesied took place. And he connects Jesus to the Isaiah prophecies. And in Matthew 8, Let's read a few verses here. It says this, Matthew 8, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up, and she began to wait on it. That's kind of a fun story, actually, when you think about it. Just two little sentences there, two verses. But Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Jesus healed her. She got up, and she began to take care of him and feed him food. That's pretty cool. And I love the example of Peter's mother-in-law there. Like she was so thankful and grateful for the healing that Jesus had just given her that she's like, I'm gonna serve Jesus. I'm gonna give back to him. I'm gonna wait on Jesus now. That's, that's just super cool. There's been uh, several times, I, if I can sh- selfishly admit that I've done this before, where Amy has been sick. And I've prayed for Amy to be healed with this scripture in mind, thinking like, okay, God, um, Okay, this is me just being honest and real here, okay? Okay, God, you, you, know, you healed Peter's mother-in-law. She got up and she began to cook food and took care of Jesus. And Jesus, you know that our family struggles when it's me taking care of the food for the family. And we can only have grilled cheese and, and tomato soup and so much. And we can't go out tonight. And so, Lord, would you heal, would you heal Amy so that she can cook us some food and take care of us? I don't think I've ever admitted that ever, even to you or publicly, but I have literally thought of that verse. Like, that would be awesome to see this, this story take place in real life, Jesus. I know it's possible, Jesus. Okay. Nonetheless, okay, I, I, don't, I don't recommend that you know, theologically, but okay, just me being vulnerable. Uh, verse, nonetheless, I love the, the example of Peter's Mother-in-law, right? Okay, verse 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirit, uh, he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities 
and carried our diseases. And so you see that Matthew is wanting us to make sure that Jesus did, in fact, fulfill the prophecy from Isaiah, that there is healing through the atonement, that Jesus had authority over the demons and he had authority over the diseases. And now us on the other side of the cross, on the side of the atonement, through that atonement, Jesus has given you and I authority. We have authority over those same things. And we can pray in Jesus' name, in faith, for healing to take place because by his wounds, we are healed. So prayer is the difference between believing in the miraculous and seeing the miraculous. Well, since he was vulnerable, I'm going to be very transparent this morning. I would like you guys to join me. How many this year have been through it? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'm going to use a wrestling reference in the words of the immortal Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Let me tell you, brother and sister. You're in the right place. You are in the right place this morning. Prayer is the difference between believing and the miraculous and seeing the miraculous. I'm going to focus on miracles and healings happen through prayer. I've got a testimony that hopefully it helps someone this morning. The Word of God says that they shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints. I hope that my testimony of victory will help you this morning. End of July into August, both my wife and I got COVID. Full spectrum, she had the COVID pneumonia. Lying next to each other, just, I mean, it was terrible. The things that happened after <laughs> were just as bad. I... Up until a few weeks ago, was not able to eat well because of it. And I was struggling in my own mind from the COVID fog that was left over. The devil was beating the snot out of me. I'll just tell you that. It felt like it was straight from the enemy. Straight from the enemy. I had anxiety that was going out the roof. I was pacing in the store that I manage, praying out to God. Let me tell you, it looked like it was from the enemy, but God. But God stepped in. I did what I know what, to, what needed to be done. I reached out to prayer warriors, people that I know touched the throne of God. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell, tell it like it is. Pastor prayed over me, and I literally felt it lift off. And then I, <laughs> I just poured it on the devil. I went to other people. I'm like, devil, you going to kick me around? Take this. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known of God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a main focus in that, in Christ Jesus. I was basically battling the devil by myself. I was so confused. I'm, I'm serious, church. I thought I was losing it. I literally thought I was losing it and I wasn't going to come back. Another but God moment. We went through and covered Isaiah 53.5. I'm going to confirm this. Your healing has already been paid for. Whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, it's been paid for. On that cross, the atonement, it's been paid for. All you need to do is just step into it. That's all you need to do. By faith, step into it. 2 Corinthians 5.7, a familiar passage. Walk by faith, not by sight. I was walking and just looking at the distractions around me. I was, my faith was challenged. Those outside distractions, the enemy's strategy was confusion. The Bible says that he's going to come to kill, steal, and destroy any way he can. And believe me, that is one of the ones through this season, I believe, that the devil has been focusing on is confusion. We got to remember one thing. The Word of God says, faith, the size of a mustard seed, moves mountains and slays Goliath. Another but God moment. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I got the scripture taped to my counter at work now. Devil, you're going to try to fight? Okay, it's on. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not of this world. But divinely powerful through the destruction of fortresses. You've got authority. You've got authority. And the reason you've got authority is through our great high priest. That when that atonement, picture the cross. Jesus, on his last breath, gives up the ghost. What happened? Does anybody remember what happened? The veil ripped from the top to the bottom, giving us full access into the holy of holies. I don't know if you know this, people, but in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in to the holy of holies. And what they did before he went in, they tied a rope around his ankle. If that high priest was not right and he was going in and giving a sacrifice, they were pulling him out. He, was, he didn't make it. <laughs> he did not make it. We have that authority now. 
We get to go in because of what Christ did. And you always got to remember, I, I fall back on the, the word of God here consistently now. God hears the prayers of the righteous. I tell you what, since I got prayed for that day, it's been like a, a personal revival, a personal renewal. I've got such a clarity that I feel like I'm not only walking by faith, but I'm seeing through the eyes of God, church. That's what God does. And you, if you're going through it, it's there for you too. Last but not least, Romans 8.28. Another scripture that everybody knows. And we know that all things, how much? All things of God work for the good of those who love him and who have been called to his purposes. If you're in this place today, you're saved, and you're transformed, you're called. You're called to his purposes. Those purposes that I see that happen in my life, new level of faith. I mean, I'm, it's like I'm using the steroids that Hulk Hogan used, faith-wise. <laughs> Hallelujah. A restored joy. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm, a, I'm the class clown. I'm the guy that not only likes to smile, but I like to put a smile on your face. Okay? The devil was stealing that. We used to sing an old song in our church a long time ago. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. I went and I had my army of prayer warriors go with me back to back as armor bearers went into the enemy's camp, said, devil, <clears throat> took it back. And like I said, new focus, new clarity. Laser focus. I, I, I literally, I feel like I'm seeing through God's eyes. All this. Yeah, it was, a, it was a heavy time. And like our sister said earlier, it felt so heavy. But all this Victory that I can speak about was through one of our most effective weapons, prayer. So I just have a question for you. Um, after hearing Matt's testimony, after hearing his story, what miracles are you believing God for? Um, because he, he can do anything, and I think that sometimes we forget that. Um, but that's the question, is what, like, he can do anything. What, what can I ask for? Um, and I, I'm the young adults director. I, I know how it is. We come to God with our problem already solved, and we're like, God, can you just make this 
how I, how I think that it should go, please. Um, like, if you can make it happen, that'd be great. But if you don't, I have plan A, B, C, and D worked out. I'm good. I got it. But, like, it'd be easier if you do it. Um, and I just... I think that we've got to this point, like when you get to the point that you need a miracle from God, um, you realize that his answer is better than all the plans, all your backup plans that you have. Um, It's better than anything that you can come up with. And I just, I hope, and I know like 2020 was so rough and 2021 was, I mean, everybody in here raised their hand and said they've been through it this year. Don't even, don't even pretend like you didn't. I saw you. Uh, We've all been through it. Um, so I just, I hope that we would have that desperation that says, God, I need you to make a way where there's not one. I need you to make a way where there is no way. Um, so I'm going to read a little story about Jesus, um, from John. It's chapter four, verse 46 through 53, um, where Jesus does something crazy. Um, so he, he is Jesus in this story. Um, came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Um, And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked for him to come down and heal his son. It's like 20 miles that he walked. Um, He went to him and asked for him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. His son was at the point of death, yes. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Jesus is a little bit sassy here. Uh, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that this was the hour that Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he, he himself believed and all his household. All his household. That's crazy. So I'm going to break this down a little bit for you. I see this man leaving his situation, like leaving his dying son to walk 20 miles. That's not a quick trip. Especially if you're me. Like it takes me 10 minutes to run a mile. Like it's not a quick trip. Um, because he believed that there's the only solution to this problem was a radical miracle from Jesus. So he was going to go talk to Jesus. Um, and I see Jesus challenge him to believe without seeing. And I think in the years that we've had recently, the last two, um, it's so easy to get discouraged. Um, it's so easy to be like, this is a mess. It is dark. It is stormy. Um, but I just want to challenge you to be in, to remember the things that Jesus did, the way that he rescued you, um, the stories like Pastor Matt's. Um, I have a student in our youth ministry who reminds me all the time that God can do absolutely anything. Um, just remember, remember God, remember what he has done for you. Stay in awe and your eyes are open when miracles happen because you don't want to be turned around, distracted by your circumstances and miss Miss the super cool thing that Jesus did for you. Um, And in this story, I see a radical miracle where an entire household comes to faith. Uh, Because this man said, 
I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk to Jesus and see what happens. Um, and Tyrone, it's you now. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Matt. I remember when uh, Matt came to me and we prayed that prayer. And um, literally, guys, he was in tears. He felt so overwhelmed and just choked in by anxiety. That was just, it just had a grip on him. And there was a breakthrough in that moment. It was amazing. Like you could feel it, you could sense it, you could see it. And again, hey guys, prayer. It's the difference between believing in the miraculous and seeing the miraculous. Now we won't always see an instantaneous miracle. We won't always see an instantaneous answer to prayer like we want it to, we think it should look like. But I promise you, we won't see miracles unless we ask. And sometimes we shy away from asking God in faith because we're like, well, I've done it before and he doesn't answer or just whatever the Lord's will is, he's just gonna do it. But it's, it's amazing. You read through the life of Jesus and there's a connection there. He says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. You're like, what? No, no, Jesus, you made me well. But, they, but for Jesus specifically connected the faith that the individual had to what he did. Faith activates his power. And, and so we gotta step out in faith and trust God regardless of the outcome. We trust him regardless of the outcome, but we can pray prayers in faith because Jesus told us to. So if you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 11, and we're gonna end by looking at communion. And I wanna encourage you to use communion in your personal prayer life, in your personal life, as a way of praying for the miraculous. So we're going to look at it through just maybe a little different lens, an added lens here this morning. And before we do that, let me just say this. Uh, we got all these prayer cards, these little cards that are in, the, in, in your seats there. There's a, a, 21, or sorry, a fasting pamphlet in your seats as well because we're going into a season of prayer. And so um, I want to just speak to two things. I won't talk to all of the things on the cards, but two things. The first one is this. This Friday night, we have a prayer and worship night. If you want to join us, New Year's Eve, to end the year just seeking God and kick off the new year just seeking God, we're going to take some time. It's going to start at 8 o'clock. So the last four hours of the year, we're just going to dedicate to God. If you want to come and join us right here and just take time to pray and worship. It's going to be interactive. We'll have some singing. We'll have some prayer stations, have some time of reflection, be very different and interactive. We're going to take the last four hours of the year to just pray and worship and seek God and just kick off the year. Uh, that way as well. We just, we're going to have fun. We're going to worship into the new year. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're able to and you want to, join us right here starting at 8 o'clock Friday night. And then the second thing I'll mention is our 21-day fast. That starts in two weeks. But I mention it now because I want you to pray and think about what are you going to do for the 21-day fast. And I believe all of us can do something. That's why I draw your attention to that pamphlet. Read through that pamphlet, give you some different ideas. You can think through, what can I fast? What should I fast? And even ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And fasting is a great way to let go of something and some things that are very near and dear to us to remind us that God is in control and to also remind us that sometimes my heart isn't fully centered on Jesus. And I like this thing more than I like Jesus. And so I'm just going to get rid of it to... To, to show Jesus, I love you more than anything else. And I put you higher than anything else in my life. 
And so, read through that, pray through that fasting thing, and I just want to see all of us somehow, someway participate in 21 days of fasting. It starts January 10th. We're going to kick off the year with a 21-day fast together. And you can see on that card, there are lots of other things we're going to be doing. We'll be talking about those uh, in the coming weeks. But let's talk about communion here. 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to start with verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You ever seen those in remembrance of me tables at churches before? Maybe if you grew up in church, you've been around church for a while. Uh, we don't have one here. There's still a lot of churches that will have those in remembrance of me churches. I grew up in a church that had one, and uh, it was always at the front, or actually it wasn't always, sometimes it was the front, sometimes it was out in the lobby. And as a kid, I was always confused, like, what on earth is this table? Is this the table that when we go to a funeral, we put the gifts on there for the people in remembrance of the people that died? And so I thought maybe it was like the gift table for dead people. I literally thought that as a kid. I had no idea in remembrance of me what that, mean, what that meant. But um, as I grew up, I realized, oh, it came straight from the scripture. Now I get it. It's that communion table. All right. Uh, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is always an interesting part of communion. Typically, when you remember somebody, you don't remember their death, right? You remember their life, the good times, the good memories, the times you laughed, all the fun things you did. Like, those are the things you want to remember and talk about. But Jesus specifically said, don't just remember the good times and my teachings. He did want us to remember his teachings. In fact, he didn't just say that. He said, obey my teachings <laughs> and actually teach other people to obey my teachings. But actually, he says this, I want you to make sure you remember my death. The reason is because his death changed the world. It's through his death that we have the atonement, that reconciliation that you and I all can have. And so Jesus very specifically says something different that no one else has ever said. Remember my death. So we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, which is another reminder. He's coming back, friends. Jesus is coming back. So but we're gonna, in, in the meantime, we're going to keep going to the Lord's table, to communion, to uh, the Eucharist. Maybe you've heard it called Eucharist, which means giving of thanks, the breaking of bread. All those are just terms that we use for communion until he comes. And then verse 27, therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So we've got to make sure that we do it with a right heart. Now, it isn't saying that you and I have to be worthy in order to receive communion. Make sure you haven't sinned at all recently. And if you haven't sinned, then you're worthy, and then you can do communion. It's not about that, right? Because here's the deal. None of us are perfect. None of us are worthy even for salvation, but it's a free gift uh, from Jesus, thankfully. So it's not about being worthy, but it's about the worthy manner. We want to make sure that the manner that we do it, the attitude we do it, is proper. And actually what was happening in the Corinthian church was there was like major divisions going on. They were taking advantage of this. There was 
cliques happening. The rich people were looking down on the poor people. They weren't uh, hanging with them. They weren't waiting for them. People were getting drunk as they did communion. And all this craziness was happening. So Paul's calling them out. He's saying, you can't do this in an unworthy manner. And so he's like, the manner, the attitude in which you're doing this is not right. And so he's saying, make sure you do it in the right way. And so we want to do this in the right way, the right manner. We're approaching this. Then verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Examine himself. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time. We're going to examine ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit help with that. Examine us, Holy Spirit. And again, it's not because, hey, if you've sinned, you can't do this. Uh, it, It has to do with making sure we do it with a proper attitude and a proper heart of humility. Because the Corinthian church was doing it with a complete disregard for the sinful behavior in their life. They weren't examining themselves, and they were okay with the sinful things they were doing as they go and remember all the sin that Jesus took from their life on the cross. And so we don't want to take lightly what Jesus did for us on the cross. He took all of our sin on the cross. But if I'm thinking, okay, it's, this sin is not a big deal, it's okay, you know, um, then I'm taking advantage of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And so I've got to allow myself to be examined by the Holy Spirit Is there things in my life that I'm not allowing Jesus to be the Lord of? Is there things in my life, is there sin in my life that I'm okay with that is totally contrary to the Bible, but I don't want to deal with it, I don't want to think about it. I'll ask Jesus to forgive me of this and this and this, but I'm not going to think about this or deal with this. We need to examine ourselves, And so it's not about being perfect, again, being worthy to do this, but it's about approaching it in the right way and remembering what Jesus did for us. He gave everything. Am I willing to approach this in the same way and say, Jesus, I give you everything, everything in my heart. I'm willing to lay it all down, to let it all go because of what you did for me. And so we're gonna take some time and just allow the Spirit to help us to examine ourselves today. All right, so moving on here then. Uh, It goes on, for anyone who eats and drinks uh, without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you, among you, are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Wow. Okay, there's so much we could unpack and talk about in this, but I'm just going to hit on that last verse here this morning as we end our time here this morning. Isn't it interesting that because of the way they handled communion, very flippantly. They, they, they did it with a wrong heart. They were allowing all this divisiveness to, to creep into the church. And all of that affected them physically. People were weak. Some got sick. Some people even died. That's what falling asleep means. They literally died. And so somehow there's this connection by how we approach communion, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, where Isaiah prophesied and Matthew reiterated, by his wounds we are healed. Paul is connecting that there is something physical that was affecting them because of how they approached communion. And they were getting sick or just weak or some had even died. There's a physical connection there that Paul was pointing to. 
And I, we gotta be careful how we process this and handle this theologically. This isn't to, to shame us and to judge us and, and any, because you're sick, it's because of sin and because of communion and all that kind of stuff. No, that's not what the Bible says. But Paul, uh, Paul is pointing out that there is a connection here between the atonement and our physical health in life. And it's important that you and I understand that we can stand on the word of God and declare with confidence by his wounds, we are healed. And so I want us to pray that today because there's healing in the atonement. So as we approach communion, it's a reminder, Jesus didn't just save us from our sin. We don't just have salvation, but there's actually physical, emotional, mental healing for us as well. And that's why I'm saying, I wanna encourage you to use this as a part of your prayer life. Do this on a regular basis. As I was looking into this and wrestling through this this week and studying this, I came across story after story of people that would do this every day for a couple of years believing that God was going to heal them, and finally God healed them of cancer. But they just went to communion. They said, Jesus, thank you for the salvation. It's the most important thing you've ever given me in my life. But I also know that by your wounds, I'm healed. And they would receive that cup and in the body, and they would pray and believe for healing. And it came. Okay, so healing doesn't always come, but Jesus told us to pray. He told us, he, he said we can pray for this. And again, we stand on the word of God. By his wounds, we are healed. And so we're praying prayers. We're not just thankful for the salvation, but we're, we're also thankful uh, that through what Jesus did on the cross, we can have healing. And so we're gonna do that here this morning. Hey, David said this, guys. David said this. I love this psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So I'll go ahead and invite Griffin and Autumn up here, and uh, and I have the ushers go ahead. And we're going to pass out. We're going old school in communion here today, guys. Too. This will be fun. We've got uh, the cup and and the wafer. We're going to hand out to you, so you can just stay right where you're at. And we're gonna, they're going to come to you. They're going to deliver this to you. And I love that when Jesus instituted this moment of communion, what we call it now, he did it at the Passover supper. And so Jesus was connecting himself to what took place in Exodus 12, in the Passover. So they were eating the Passover meal. And by the way, the early church often did this communion thing when they gathered together for meals, probably because the first time Jesus instituted it, they were all eating a meal, and Jesus said, do this too. And so they continued to have meals together and to practice communion together. And then it got out of hand, obviously, in the Corinthian church. But Jesus was saying, okay, so he's... He's, they're in the Passover meal, and they're celebrating the deliverance that they had out of Egypt. Now, in Exodus 12, you can read about this, but God told them, kill the lamb and eat, roast the lamb and eat the lamb that night. And take the blood of the lamb and put it over the door frames. And what's going to happen is, I'm going to come, and there's going to be a plague, and the blood over the door frames is going to protect you from that plague. And the, the, the lamb that you eat is going to strengthen and nourish you for the journey that you're about ready to go on. He says, have your clothes on, be all ready to go, because Jesus, uh, because God, that was going to deliver them that very night. 
And so the lamb that they ate was going to strengthen and nourish them for the journey. I, 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 it's important for us to study all the correlations between Jesus, the Passover, and communion, and the Passover. We're just going to brush over this here, guys, this morning. There's a profound connection. Because Jesus took the, the bread and he says, hey, this is my body. Now I'm going to become that lamb. And Jesus had already said, I am the bread of life. So as we eat of him, we have life. So Jesus said, this is my body. He willingly laid down his body. It's a reminder of Jesus willingly being that sacrificial, perfect lamb for us. But remember, on that body, there was wounds, there was stripes. And by those wounds and by those stripes, we are healed. And Jesus then took the cup. He says, this is my blood. And just like the blood protected the Israelites in that first night of that Passover, this blood brings a protection over our life. There's a protection you and I have because of the blood of Christ. Yes, it gives forgiveness of sins, but there is a protection on your life as well. And so it's important that as we receive this, we're not just saying, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation and that you took my sins on the cross, but we also say, and I also want to recognize the power that comes through the atoning work on the cross, the healing that comes through the atoning work on the cross. And I'd encourage you to practice this in your life. Communion, to not just be thankful for salvation, but to pray and declare the healing that comes over your life through the atonement of Jesus. So we're going to do this all together as we wrap up our last service here of the year. This is just kind of an appropriate way, I think, for us to end the year. Looking to Jesus, thanking him for who he is and what he's done. But also I want to pray a prayer of healing because Jesus took a punishment on his body so that you and I could have that shalom peace. He took wounds, stripes, so that you and I could be healed. Do you need healing today? I'm going to pray for healing. Healing through the atonement for you today. So let's pray and let's thank Jesus for his body. Lord, we're thankful so much for your body that reminds us that you willingly chose to go to the cross. That your body was broken for us. And it was crushed. You have faced a punishment. It was something that we deserved, God. We deserved to experience that. We deserved death. But you willingly laid down your life and died for us. We're so eternally grateful for that, God. We're thankful that also we can stand on the promise of your word that by your wounds we are healed. And so, Lord, through this we're praying for healing. I pray for healing to take place in people's lives right now, Lord. Or for people in here that are facing cancer, family, friends that are facing cancer, for people that have sickness, disease in their body. Maybe there's some anxiety that is gripping them like Matt just shared about. Lord, I'm praying for freedom and deliverance and healing in the name of Jesus. Oh, we just, we, we, we pray by your wounds, we are healed. And so we ask for healing to take place in the name of Jesus right now in those bodies 
in those minds, in those hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Healing. Would you heal it? Amen. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Grab that cup. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this cup. It represents your blood that you shed on the cross for us. And I pray that the reality of your grace and forgiveness would sink deep into our hearts and our spirit and our soul. Lord, for those that are here right now in this moment or listening in this moment, maybe they haven't received your grace and your forgiveness. May they sense how real you are. May they sense your presence right now, God. And I pray that they would ask for forgiveness, repent of their sins, and receive your grace and your forgiveness right now, the new life that you have for them. Would you do that right now, I pray in Jesus' name? If that's you, just pray that prayer. Ask for forgiveness. Jesus willingly gave his blood. He, it, it was spilled on that cross so that you could be forgiven and set free. Ask him to forgive you. Receive his freedom and his grace and his forgiveness right now. And then just commit to following him and serving him for the rest of your life. Jesus, so many of us have experienced that many of us years and years ago, but I pray that this moment would be a reminder of how profound that was that you did, that, that change, the forgiveness, the transformation that you did in our life because of your blood being shed on the cross. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, may we be people who walk in grace and forgiveness. Lord, this reminds us that we also need to be givers of grace and forgiveness. Lord, may we be people who extend that to the people around us, I pray. Because you have so freely forgiven us. God, I pray that grace and forgiveness would be central to our life. Lord, we just love you so much. We're so thankful. These moments we can remember. Not just what you've done for us on the cross and the forgiveness and the salvation that we have, but Lord, we're thankful that we can pray and declare and receive the healing that comes through what you did on the cross. So God, we're just praying for healing spiritually, emotionally, physically, today, that that would take place, that your healing power would be present today in people's lives, Lord Jesus. Because we don't just believe in that, Lord. We, we want to see it more and more and more. So that's why we ask. That's why we're praying right now. We can see your miraculous power at work in our life, Lord. Would you do that today, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in 
the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.